Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Please look at verse 22. Matthew 10 and 22, the Bible says these words. And you will be hated. How many know that right there doesn't sound right? And you will be hated. I don't like that. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. How many know when Jesus says something like that, you will be hated, carries a different significance, doesn't it? Because I understand life's full of setbacks. Life's full of problems. I, we all have that, and, and we all deal with times in our life where, where we feel like things are not going so well. But to be hated by someone is a whole different dynamic, is it not? He said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Keep going to the right to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is one of them mornings that I'm just going to give you some scripture and some quick thoughts. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, one verse of scripture, and that's found in verse number 3. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Grab your Bibles and go to James. Just keep going. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. One more verse of scripture that I'd like to read in your hearing today. It's verse 12. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Three scriptures on endurance, isn't it? Jesus said you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. So you ought to understand that you're going to face some adversities. But I think you need to understand he respects the fact that you're going to endure. The problem with us is, is we're trying to figure out how to win when the win has already been won. Listen to me real closely because if you get this, it'll help you. The win has already been won. I'm not here today trying to win. I'm here today to occupy. My battle is not to win. My battle is to occupy. And I can tell that confuses you. Because most of us have been taught we have to fight to win. But my God is undefeated. And he has no worthy opponents. And Jesus brought Satan to open shame and made a spectacle of him. And he said, it's finished. My Bible teaches me that I'm an heir and a joint heir of his kingdom. If I'm born again, washed in the blood, then I'm an heir and a joint heir of his undefeated nature. 
means I have already been appropriated the win. The problem is I have to endure until I occupy. I'm not fighting to win the victory. I'm living every day in the victory, occupying the dominion and the authority being granted to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you understand that or not, because most of us want to have a story of being beat up by our devil. How are you doing today? Oh, he's been all over me, Pastor. The adversary's been at my door. And, oh, and you got this sorrowful story. Do you understand Satan has no authority other than what you allow him? He has no power over your life. The only power he has is where you allow ignorance of truth to remain. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because, see, most of us have been taught that we're just going to barely get by and we're going to be stale and stagnant and by the grace of God we're just going to barely drag into the kingdom. Not what the Bible teaches us. How can you be an heir and a joint heir of a kingdom and barely getting by? Come on, think about how ludicrous that is. I'm an heir and a joint heir of a kingdom. I have been positioned to set in heavenly places with Christ. I have been given the authority and delegated authority. You read Genesis chapter 1. He gave me authority over the earth to subdue it, to have dominion over it. Jesus gave his disciples the authority of the kingdom. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. What are you going to do with the scripture that says no weapon formed against you prospers? Stop living like you're fighting to win and start living like all I have to do is endure these things. The win has already been won. The victory's already been granted. Now I'm fighting to occupy. Let me teach you this point real quickly. Do you remember when Moses was commissioned by God? You all right? The quicker you amen me, the quicker I'll let you go. I'm a participatory preacher, so I preach better if you help me. Listen, Moses was commissioned by God to bring deliverance to the captives in Egypt. At the burning bush, he had to slip off his shoes for it was a holy place. And God said, I commission you, mandate you, purpose for you to bring deliverance to my people. I'm giving them the land. God said, I'm giving them the land. All I need you to do is go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Why did it take them 40 years to go from captivity to the promised land? It wasn't because God didn't give them the land. It was because they didn't know how to occupy. He never said you wasn't going to have to drive out the inhabitants. He said just hurry up and get to the land. The victory is yours. You've just got to learn how to endure the adversities while you're putting your foot on what God said is yours. I'm tired of living like I'm barely getting by. Poverty is a mentality. It's not about economics. Poverty is about a mentality. You can take somebody who has a poverty mentality, give them a million dollars, and within a week they're broke. 
But you can give somebody who knows how to be successful and they can lose everything they got. And within a few years, they done built back an empire. Why? Because they learned how to live and think different. The Bible said, as a man thinketh, so he is. If you think you're barely getting by, honey, you're going to barely get by. My struggle's not to win. My struggle's to occupy. What did Jesus say? Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. He didn't say just build a fort and barely get by. He said occupy. Have dominion. Have authority. Exercise the will of the kingdom on the earth. So my question to you is what causes you to quit when you're so close? What causes you to want to drift from God when God's been so good? What causes you want to, to, to begin to drift away from God when God's done so much for you? What causes a man to begin to question God's ability when God's been so good? What makes you want to surrender and wave a white flag of surrender going, I can't take no more? Because I've met those people before, haven't you? Every Sunday it's a new drama. Every Wednesday, it's a new pain or a new ache. Oh, Pastor. I understand life is full of setbacks. And I'm not trying to diminish the fact that you're going to have to face some things. My situation is like yours. I deal with life just like you. But I refuse to come to the house of God acting like I'm barely getting by. Like I have a mentality of scarcity and poverty when my God has a wealth of abundance that he can help me through the storms of my life. I choose to endure. I choose to endure. I choose to endure. Why? Because there's a reward on the other end if I occupy until he comes. All right, four things and you can go home. I need to get these in your spirit. Four things that causes a man or a woman or an individual to drift from God. How many would like to know what those are? Somebody's got some people that's drifted from God. Drifted from God. They've allowed the situations to influence their, their faith with God. What causes a man or woman to drift from God? Number one is distractions. They can't get their perspective right. How many's got some distractions? We all do. Life's full of distractions. You've got all kinds of things going on in your life that will distract you. Isn't it interesting how the distractions cause you to shift focus? Who's the gatekeeper of your eyes? Who's the gatekeeper of your ears? You are the gatekeeper of your life. So you choose what you focus on and what distracts you. You can't say, well, Satan has drawn me away. I can read James, the latter part of the where we were, and he said, no man is drawn away except by his own lust. You're not enduring difficult times. It's because your focus has been shifted and you've become distracted and your mind is thinking about failure rather than success. You're trying to solve your own problems rather than resting in the reliance of God. Who renews your thoughts for you? Well, somebody's got to take authority. Cast down evil imaginations. That's you. you say, well, I need God to, to help me, Pastor. There's so many distractions in my life. I'm just barely holding on. Maybe you're barely holding on because you can't get your thoughts right. Renew your own mind. No one will renew it for you. You can go to church and sit under a sermon and pay no attention. 
and it means nothing to you. In fact, some come to church every week, and they just are null and void. Never hear a word, never challenged, and their mind is plagued with victimization and defeat. When he's got the win for them, and all they have to do is endure and occupy. Endure and occupy. So you've got to guard distractions. Number two, because I'm in a hurry, you have to watch out for dangerous relationships. Oh, help us right here. Do you realize what you associate with determines where you go and what you become? Do you realize people can feed you, fuel you, and fertilize you? The people you listen to, the people that speak into your life are either fueling, feeding, or fertilizing. Think about that thought because there's some people in your life that you know they are feeding you the wrong doctrine. There are some people in your life that are fertilizing defeat and doubt. You say, what am I supposed to do with them? Distance yourself. Because if you are beginning to drift away from God because of relationships and opinions and people and negativity, you need a new set of friends. And I'll go one step farther. If you're the smartest friend in your group, find somebody that's got wisdom beyond your years. Find somebody that knows something you don't know. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians, Paul said this. He said, evil company corrupts good habits. You can start out right and you start hanging with the wrong group. Guess who gets off track? You. It corrupts you. Your associations do so. So you've got to make some d- d- uh, uh, real strong declarations. This is who I am. These are my standards. This is my lifestyle. This is my code of ethics. And they're non-negotiable. If your behavior, listen to me, teenagers, if your behavior is negotiable based on who you're hanging out with, you need a new set of friends. If you change with who you are, you're righteous and holy and full of the Spirit with certain people, and then you're a heathen. The re- Come on now, don't, don't shout me down just because I'm telling the truth. I want you to endure so you can have the, the power and the presence of Christ in your life. But you can't endure if you're distracted, and you cannot endure if you've got dangerous relationships that are causing you to look at your old life. Third thing, real quickly. What causes a man or a woman to drift from God? Unchanged tendencies. What's Hebrews 12 and 1 say? Let us lay aside every weight. And get quiet in here. That so easily beset me. Every sin, every weight, I've got to lay them aside. You know what I found out? The law of gravity is not just in a natural world. The law of gravity is also spiritual. How many found that to be true? Because if I don't release my past habits, I will recreate what I used to do. So, Pastor, I, I don't have any problems. Right. I know one thing. If I don't release some habits in my life and control my gates, I am subject to wanting to give up on God. Hey, husbands, when you talk to your wife like she is a dog, Okay, wives, when you talk to your husband like he's a good for nothing and you sow those seeds long enough and then one day you realize your relationship is, is in disarray, you say, what's the problem? A tendency to find problems created a harvest of divorce.
interesting to me. Being in the ministry for so long, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Because you can have one family that, that doesn't have a problem with economics. They can balance a budget and pay their bills. But they can't get along outside of finance for nothing. Why? Because the habits haven't changed in certain areas. Everything in our life has to be subject to spiritual modifications. Because if I'm not subject to spiritual modifications, I'm prone to some old tendencies. And some of us grew up in dysfunctional homes with dysfunctional pictures of marriage. And if I'm not careful, I'll revert back into the way my grandfather acted. Talk to me, somebody. Because we act as if, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm above that. Really? I found the law of gravity works in spiritual things just as much as it does in natural. Number four, I'm going to let you go. Let me know I could preach a whole lot on this stuff. You are getting the synopsis of my thoughts, which might be good. Number four, why does somebody drift? These were heavy on my heart because they're careless. Carelessness. You know what the Bible says? He who thinks he stands, beware lest he fall. What would cause a man or a woman to drift from God thinking they are God? I know everything. Pastor, you can't teach me nothing. I got people come to church over the last 20 years. You can't teach me nothing. I know everything. Well, how's that going to work out for you? By far, you say, well, I, I have more, I have more. I, have. I had a guy one time come to me and said, Pastor, you can't teach me I don't know anything I don't know. I said, bye. Because you've already learned everything, so to speak. So you're no longer willing to be challenged to go any deeper with God. You've already plateaued. I, I never believed. I, I mean, it was just a rare occasion. You, just, ah, you can't teach me nothing. I already know everything. I'm like, oh, really? Well, then you... I mean, no pride goes before. Can I tell you something? You better always be on guard. Because the day you think you got it all figured out, it'll fall out from under you. How many find that to be true? Every time you think you've got yourself spiritually propped up, something falls out from under you. Am I talking right? I know it ain't like our normal Sunday, but we're a short version. I don't, listen, there's nothing worse than getting careless with God. Careless careless with your prayer life, careless with your worship, careless with your giving, careless with your stewardship, careless with your love. So you come in here and say, well, I love you, Lord. Then you love everything else outside the kingdom Monday through Saturday. Was David a man after God's own heart? Did he get careless? Yeah, he slept with Bathsheba. How'd that work out? Was Samson a man of God, anointed by God under a Nazarite vow? Yes, he was. Did he get careless? Yes. Found himself in the lap of Delilah. Greater men and greater women than you and I have fallen victim to sinful tendencies, not because the enemy's always seeking, but because we become careless and complacent. Always be on guard. I don't know if I helped you a little bit today or not, but please endure. Whatever you're going through, endure. Endure. And quit trying to figure out how to win. The win's already been won. You do not have to. Listen, somebody ought to get set free. You do not have to produce the win. He bled and died. (laughs) They laid him in a tomb. 
three days. Not the mortician. Not the funeral home. But the Holy Ghost. Raised up that worn down body. And what was dead became alive. And he walked out triumphant, victorious. And he's given you and I that victory. My identity's in him. I'm already a champion. But a champion has to endure in order to occupy. Stop trying to produce the win. It's already been won. Work on enduring. How many needed to hear something about that? Just endure. Come on, let's stand together if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Please look at verse 22. Matthew 10 and 22. The Bible says these words. And you will be hated. How many know that right there doesn't sound right? And you will be hated. I don't like that. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. How many know when Jesus says something like that, you will be hated, carries a different significance, doesn't it? Because I understand life's full of setbacks. Life's full of problems. We all have that. And and we all deal with times in our life where, where we feel like things are not going so well. But to be hated by someone is a whole different dynamic, is it not? He said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Keep going to the right to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is one of them mornings that I'm just going to give you some scripture and some quick thoughts. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, one verse of scripture, and that's found in verse number 3. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Grab your Bibles and go to James. Just keep going. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. One more verse of scripture that I'd like to read in your hearing today. It's verse 12. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Three scriptures on endurance, isn't it? Jesus said you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. So you ought to understand that you're going to face some adversities. But I think you need to understand he respects the fact that you're going to endure. The problem with us is, is we're trying to figure out how to win when the win has already been won. Listen to me real closely because if you get this, it'll help you. The win has already been won. I'm not here today trying to win. I'm here today to occupy. 
My battle is not to win. My battle is to occupy. And I can tell that confuses you. Because most of us have been taught we have to fight to win. But my God is undefeated. And he has no worthy opponents. And Jesus brought Satan to open shame and made a spectacle of him. And he said, it's finished. My Bible teaches me that I'm an heir and a joint heir of his kingdom. If I'm born again, washed in the blood, then I'm an heir and a joint heir of his undefeated nature. Means I have already been appropriated the win. The problem is I have to endure until I occupy. I'm not fighting to win the victory. I'm living every day in the victory, occupying the dominion and the authority being granted to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you understand that or not, because most of us want to have a story of being beat up by our devil. How are you doing today? Oh, he's been all over me, Pastor. The adversary's been at my door. And, oh, and you got this sorrowful story. Do you understand Satan has no authority other than what you allow him? He has no power over your life. The only power he has is where you allow ignorance of truth to remain. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because, see, most of us have been taught that we're just going to barely get by and we're going to be stale and stagnant and by the grace of God we're just going to barely drag into the kingdom. It's not what the Bible teaches us. How can you be an heir and a joint heir of a kingdom and barely getting by? Come on, think about how ludicrous that is. I'm an heir and a joint heir of a kingdom. I have been positioned to set in heavenly places with Christ. I have been given the authority and delegated authority. You read Genesis chapter 1. He gave me authority over the earth to subdue it, to have dominion over it. Jesus gave his disciples the authority of the kingdom. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. What are you going to do with the scripture that says no weapon formed against you prospers? Stop living like you're fighting to win and start living like all I have to do is endure these things. The win has already been won. The victory has already been granted. Now I'm fighting to occupy. Let me teach you this point real quickly. Do you remember when Moses was commissioned by God? You all right? The quicker you amen me, the quicker I'll let you go. I'm a participatory preacher, so I preach better if you help me. Listen, Moses was commissioned by God to bring deliverance to the captives in Egypt. 